welcome to the Columbus Podcast Festival. Up next, we have Ohio versus the world to close out the festival. Who's excited? <laughs> These people are excited. Ohio vs. the World is the only podcast in the world dedicated entirely to the history of the Buckeye State. So one more time, give it up for Ohio vs. the World. You're listening to Ohio v. the World, an Ohio history podcast. The only podcast dedicated exclusively to the history of the Buckeye State. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget to rate and review us. Join the conversation now at Facebook. Stream and donate to the show at OhioVTheWorldPodcast.com. Now, here's your host, Alex Hasty. All right, that's me. I am Alex Hasty. Welcome to Ohio v. The World. Yeah, the, we are at the historic Garden Theater, Short North Stage, closing out the Columbus Podcast Festival 2018. Uh, awesome weekend of shows. Thank you so much to the, the team that puts this together, Tim, Billy, Katie, everybody who did uh, so much work on this. I know you guys don't get paid for this weekend, um, but it's going to be a successful festival and just keep pounding away. We'll get it done. Uh, it's our final episode of the season. We'll be back in the fall for season three. Uh, we're selling some t-shirts outside for 20 bucks, so come say hi after the show. Um, and we also launched a Twitter account yesterday. Um, I don't know how to Twitter at all, Brian, but we are Twittering uh, at Ohio v. The World. So that name was still available, at least, Ohio v. The World. So if you're on Twitter, find us. We only have like three friends right now, um, but we will we'll be posting on there all the time. Today's show is an homage to one of my favorite Ohio history podcasts. It's a show called The Dollop. Um, me and Miss Ohio View the World listen to it sometimes. Check out their episode on Dime a Beer Night in Cleveland, Ohio. Great episode. Um, but The Dollop is a show, an American history show with two L.A. comics, and one reads history to the other comic who has no idea what the topic will be. So all our guest Mark Lucas knows today is the show is entitled Ohio v. Punishment. So episode 15 is Ohio versus Punishment. Our beer for the episode, and we are drinking it right here. <clears throat> this is a Brewdog Elvis juice, 6.5% uh, American IPA infused with a lot of grapefruit. I'm not a big grapefruit fan, but it is a really good beer. Extra citrusy IPA. Uh, and Brewdog is a Scottish brewery that moved their U.S. operations here to Columbus in 2016, um, which is a really big get for the state of Ohio. They are an awesome brewery. They've been great neighbors here in central Ohio. They've got their main operation in Canal Winchester. Uh, they just opened a brew pub that Mark was at, our guest was at on Friday when they opened in Franklinton. And then right next door here to the Garden Theater, the historic Garden Theater, they have uh, a bar that some of our friends were drinking at earlier. So uh, that goes out to shout out to the walls. Um, so check them out, brewdog.com, a great beer. They've got just really, really cool marketing strategies, and they've been an awesome addition here to Ohio. So check them out. Uh, but let's get this episode started. I want to welcome to the stage... Uh, my friend and excellent comedian Mark Lucas. It's episode 15, Ohio versus Punishment. Mr. Hasty, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you, Mark. Good to be here. All right, let's just let's get started. And again, we're doing this dollop style, and the way they start every episode is able to say the date of when something happened. So, okay, Mark, May 5th, 1994. Where were you? Do you remember? 
Uh, Cinco de Mayo in 1994, <laughs> I was... Uh, well, we're going to go back to May 5th, 1994 on the Asian Island Republic of Singapore. Ah. Yes, Singapore, which is uh, you know, down there at the southern tip of Malaysia. And a young Ohio boy is in the Queenstown Road Remand Prison. He's not wearing any pants. The guards have taken his pants. They have him bent over a kind of a wooden structure, and he's bound and tied. And it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a weird episode. Now, normally, normally this goes for high dollar on the internet. <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for that. In most Asian markets, yes, it does. <laughs> um, his arms and legs are bound. A metal door opens, and in walks his punisher. And today we are going to be talking about the story of Kettering, Ohio's own 18-year-old Michael Fay. <laughs> oh, you remember God. Michael Fay? I do. Okay. I, yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember Michael Fay. That was the guy that got his ass whipped. Yes, he did. He did get his ass whipped, and we're going to talk about how his ass whooping became an international incident. Um, I was at, eleven, and I remember that that happened. Yes. that was that was impactful. Well, let's talk about <laughs> it. Let's talk about it. Michael Peter Fay. Yes. born May thirtieth, uh-huh. nineteen seventy-five, St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. His parents are George and Randy. It's Randy with an I. It's not a my two dads situation. It's oh, Randy with an I. Yeah. Um, and Parents are George and Randy. Yeah, George and Randy. Um, and they got divorced when he's eight. Okay, and so he's living in Dayton. Mm-hmm. He's a young teenager, and his mom. He's living with his dad in Dayton. His mom gets remarried and goes to Singapore with an Asian American businessman. His stepdad um, is is really high paid. I think he worked for like FedEx or, or something like that. So. They decide to move Michael Fay, this teenage, kind of a, a pretty boy, kind of a punk, and they move him to was Singapore. He, was, he, was he an erstwhile street tough? He was. I don't know Is if he was a street tough. He was to... certainly erstwhile. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he was a street tough, but he goes to finish school. He's taking some college credits in this upper-class school called the Singapore American School. So, so far, so good, right? Things are looking up for Michael Fay. Also a very specific school. <laughs> yes, the Singapore American School the, for this one kid. For this, well, there, there are... You know, That's the, bad white privilege. That, we that put is, together an entire school <laughs> just for you and these two other people. What would be, what would be their mascot? Uh, a, <laughs> Easy now. A white guy in Singapore? Yeah, uh, maybe. A guy getting his ass hit with a cane, that'd I would be the think, fa- would be now be the reference for that. Yeah, the, the, the kid being caned would be their mascot. Why is... What's the deal with Singapore? I mean, it's... It's this little island. It's the 11th, you know, there's only 10 other countries that sell and trade more with the United States than Singapore. And there's only about 6 million people there. So it's really, really business driven. Uh, it's an island on the southern tip of Malaysia. And it was a British colony until like the mid 60s. So it's, I don't mean to get too into its actual, like the cartography of the whole sure, situation. Sure. I thought Singapore was part, isn't it a city? It's a city, but it's also an independent nation. So it's a city-state. It's a city-state. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. Well done. That's, I didn't even think about that. That's Good great. on Singapore. They, yeah, you got it. They declare they're a new country. Uh, yep. They break away from the, from the English, okay? And that's where they're going to get that caning aspect is from old-timey England. Um, England came up with that? England was, yeah, that's their thing. They still do it in, in bars. It's weird. You could cane someone in a public school in England until 1987. Jesus. It seems a little late, doesn't it? A little late in the game. Like, my, my mother used to tell me stories about, like, nuns beating the shit out of her and sure, all sure. Of her brothers, like, in Catholic school. And <laughs> now when I think about that, I'm like, man, that's pre-YouTube. Yeah, you would be arrested. 
<laughs> the nun would be arrested on the spot. But I mean, there's a lot of things like that. Like you could smoke on a flight, a, a two-hour or more flight in the United States until 1990. That's the that's the one thing of like the Mad Men era <laughs> that like I've never felt the need to sexually harass coworkers. Sure, right? sure. That's but a, smoking on an airplane. I've definitely been like, oh yeah, that'd you, be nice. You think that'd be cool? I think yeah. th- there probably isn't anything you could do that is more rude to another human being other than sexually harassing. <laughs> the smoke on an the airplane. Smoke on an airplane. You should be. You'd be arrested for that now. So, um, anyway, so they break away from England. And they're a brand new country, and they've got all these communists around them. Vietnam, China's got Mao, you know, Mao Zedong. Mm-hmm. So they become really anti-communist, and they're just a Western capitalist society. But to become anti-communist, there's so many communist elements in that area of the world, they become really, really strict on their citizens. So it's this anti-communism, and it's communist, you know, it's communist uh, graffiti that these laws were written, these vandalism laws that end up getting Michael Fay in trouble. It's because they didn't want, you know, messages being written on billboards, buildings about pro-communist things. So they wrote really, really intense vandalism laws in 1966. Well, they also, they have some weird fixation with gum, too. Sure. Let's get into the gum thing right now while we're sitting here. You cannot chew gum in Singapore. It's a $150 fine. You can't even chew it? You're not allowed to chew it. Now, that was in 1994. I can't tell you now. Now there's like medicinal gums that you're allowed to have in Singapore. <laughs> medicinal gum? They don't want it because you can put it. It's, it's a clean city. It's supposed to be the cleanest city there is in the world. Um, now I'm just picturing like a bunch of kids like smoking some weed. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, gum. this is all right. And then some kid pulls out a pack of Wrigley's. And they're like, wow. <laughs> come, come on. Oh. Come on, guy. Yeah. Back off, dude. <laughs> I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, so is that zebra stripe? What are we, insane? <laughs> what you don't want to do in Singapore is selling gum. Selling gum is like one of the worst things you can do. Um, I have it written down here. What you, selling gum can be up to a $100,000 fine. So you don't want to sell the gum. Breath mints, totally fine in Singapore. Now it makes me wonder how much gum goes for. Because <laughs> if gum's like a high dollar item. It's more than heroin. I'm sure for, gum is more expensive than heroin. I think it's just, oh man, just the wire, but gum. <laughs> like, everybody's like, I run these streets. <laughs> like opens up a suitcase and it's just a bunch of foil wrappers just inside. A bunch like, of bubblicious watermelon, just the good stuff. Yeah. They have the death penalty for drug dealers, speaking of the wire in now Singapore. That, that I know about. So somebody drugs suggested s- we go on a vacation, and I was like, no, nah, I don't want to die. <laughs> you can be, the government can drug test you in Singapore basically without a warrant at any time. So that would be, even if you're foreign, you come in, and they happen to drug test you for some reason, you fail, I guess you could be found guilty. Have you ever so, been drug tested? I've never been drug tested. You've never been drug tested? I've never been drug tested. It's never happened for me. So, I, I mean, I'm perfect. i got a perfect record. Are you, wait, are you telling me that you've never applied for a shitty retail job in your entire the life? World, the world has always just trusted this face. They've always just been like, that guy's not on drugs. They can. I like how Singapore's like, all right, we got to get rid of this, like, communist totalitarian thing. <laughs> We've just got to drug test everybody randomly whenever <laughs> in case they have gum or weed or whatever. Or whatever communist horrible leanings. Thing. Or communist leanings. So Trump actually said that we need to bring back the death penalty for drug dealers last month. I don't want to get stuck on Trump tonight. I want to have a good time. Sure. Um, 
but and he's one of the things we don't talk about on the show. These are terrible people, and we have to get tough on those people because we can have all the blue ribbon committees we want, but if we don't get tough on the drug dealers, we're wasting our time. Just remember that. We're wasting our time. And that toughness includes the death penalty. There you go. Trump in Singapore. There's your connection right there. He'll be in Singapore for uh, the meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un. We'll be in Singapore in June. The peace conference has got, yeah, they just announced it'll be in Singapore. So um, remember, we're talking about graffiti, okay? So yes, graffiti. Graffiti. And we're talking about corporal punishment. We got a little off track there with sure. the gum talk. Um, Corporal punishment, again, that's basically when someone punishes you by hurting you. Right. Instead of, like, fining you or giving you detention, that's when they actually harm you. Um, like, in 1830s England, you know, a teacher could just beat your ass. Like we said, you could do that until 1987 in England. But yeah. it comes out of fear of communism. In my experience, you could do that up until 1998, 99. <laughs> if we're talking about my own parents here. <laughs> so were you ever spanked as a child? Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, I feel like you can't do it. Now, I took one spanking in my life. It was at Disney World. It was 1987. And it's the only time my parents spanked me. I'll never forget it. I had just been at Disney World for, you know, 10 or 11 hours. I'm in Orlando. I'm just, I'm done. I've had too much. And my mom and my stepdad, it was a team effort. It wasn't like they were arguing about it. They were both spanking me. Um, I just <laughs> at lost At the it. same time? At the same time. Were they alternating cheeks? <laughs> I don't, I don't was remember. Was it like a, <laughs> like a left, right? Uh, it was, I just remember the fireworks were going off and I was getting spanked and that one stuck with me. The only time they ever spanked me, I must <laughs> have really... They did it during the fireworks during the to fireworks. keep it quiet. That's some like... Yeah, that is, that is gangster. stuff That's gangster right there. stuff right there. Um, <laughs> it's all coming back to me right now. Sorry. Uh, another thing, just this weird Singapore law. I want you to pick one of these three, okay? Mm-hmm. I want you to pick one of these three because we could do this all night. Sure. And I'll tell you the penalty for one of the three, okay? One, urinating in a public elevator. I think you should really pick that one. It's good. Two, you could pick connecting to someone else's Wi-Fi. You want to hear the penalties for that. Or three, singing explicit songs. So public, uh, peeing on the elevator, pick that one. Connecting (laughs) someone else's Wi-Fi, it's decent. Or singing explicit songs. I'm not allowed to hear all three? All right, I will hear all three. I kind of want to know all of those. All right. The Wi-Fi, they treat it like hacking. So it's like under the, it's called the Singapore Computer Misuse and Cybersecurity Act. And it is a whopping $10,000 fine up to three years in jail. Wait, like 10000 Singapore or 10000 here? Yeah, I think 10000 Singapore, which is like, I don't know, maybe 6000 American. I'd be more worried about the three years in jail. You're like, I ain't partnering with any of this money. I'll do two years, but I ain't giving you a dime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But if I'm in a jail in Singapore, it's yeah. like, what'd you do? I was chewing some gum. Yeah, dealing gum. I just I can't de- get off the stuff. I was dealing that sweet, sweet fruit strike. <laughs> what's the, all right, what's the punishment for oh, you're having, a, in a public having elevator? a piss in the elevator? All right, it's a pretty serious fine. It's also $10,000. Okay. But it's like, uh, I don't know if this is a big problem there, but they have in their elevators in Singapore... They have urine detection devices that set off an alarm. So I think it smells the urine in the elevator. It will shut the doors. They will lock until police al- arrive and unlock the elevator. So there is a market out there for like you, you build There's an elevator. There's a guy place, somewhere like, that was like ta- having a couple of beers with his buddies, right? And he was like, 
I got, I know how we're going to be rich, man. I was like, what's it going to be? Urine detecting sensors for elevators, man. We're going to figure it out. It's like, no, man, the king is totally against piston elevators. So they will show, it's kind of like, do you remember there used to be like rumors that if you peed in certain pools, they would turn blue or yeah, purple? Yeah, the chemical Which that I don't believe, that's not, I've been, I was, I swam I've in college. I've never seen that I peed once. in a dozen, two dozen yeah. pools in this And country. I've, yeah. Spring nothing. break everywhere. They would have oh. had that somewhere. I, mean, I didn't see any. Yeah, so I don't know. That's just what my research said. It's all um, apocryphal. So let's get back to Michael Fay. Again, we could talk about Singapore laws all night. But sure. this is the world that he, as a young American punk, has wandered into. Okay? <laughs> of Kettering, Ohio. From Kettering, Ohio. Um, he's, there's 10 days of vandalism in Singapore. Highly affluent neighborhood. We're the same neighborhood that Fay lives in. Wait, he did this? Well, this is all alleged. This is just what happened in, in the spring of 1994. Gotcha. So tires are slashed, cars are keyed. A lot of them are spray painted, okay, including the vehicle of a prominent judge. So police are on, hi- <laughs> yeah, which is a just a mistake. So police are on high alert. They pull over the 16-year-old kid. He's driving without a license. He's from Hong Kong, and he goes to Michael Fay's school. And he's in that neighborhood where all these cars. He's out at two or three in the morning. Mm-hmm. They pull him over. He doesn't have a license. They take him to jail. He's got spray paint on his fingers. <laughs> they didn't find he's any spray paint on him. He's looking a little shady. He's just out driving. And so a couple of days later, they go to, the, the kid goes to Faye's school. The police show up. They take Faye and a couple other kids to the, to the police station. They don't know what it's for. Take him out of class. And he's interrogated for nine days. He is in a Singapore jail. So what I'm going to argue tonight is I don't even think Faye did it. I'm gonna, my argument for you is that I think Faye got totally set up by the Singaporeans and didn't even do any of this stuff. Also, is there any vandalism that nine days in a Singaporean prison would not, <laughs> yeah, that's not be equal. like, time served? I think we're good on that. Well, the first two days, they wouldn't even let Randy, his mother, come in. They wouldn't let an attorney come in for a number of days. But basically, after nine days, him and a couple of the other guys admit to two acts of vandalism and two acts of stealing road signs. So the only thing Faye did have wrong, he had... A couple of road signs that he said a Swedish diplomat's kid had dropped off at his house when he went back to Sweden. So when they searched his house, they found no spray, no spray paint, no nothing, but they found these signs. So he pleads guilty, or he says, I'll plead guilty to these things. And the attorney promises him he won't be caned, which is always a big fear that you're going to get caned. Right. Um, and we'll talk about caning. And also, they said, no jail, no caning, just admit to this, and we'll let you go. And so he goes out, he pleads guilty, and then the judge hammers him. Judge gives him four months in jail, about a $2,300 American fine, and six strokes of the cane. And he, it's too late. It's done. The judge says, you're guilty. Here's my sentence. So he got a bum rap. He got a bum rap, I think. <laughs> Anyways, he appeals the case, whatever. It, Didn't the judge sign something beforehand? I'm all no, acting. No, like. I, and I, the more I look into this case, I'm an attorney. The more I think that this attorney didn't really do him any favors. <laughs> yeah, they're like, just come out here and plead, and they won't hit you on your bottom. And yeah, they're, they're not going to do it. Immediately, they're going to hit him right on his bottom. I was like, in Singapore, or is my lawyer like the cops too, where they can just make stuff up? Exactly. And be like, so, oh man, you just the Michael, other guys are in there singing like canaries, man. You better come <laughs> clean. It's like it's a, like a bad Law and Order episode. Um, what is caning? So he's got this sentence. Now, he's going to appeal it, and we'll talk about that. Um, we already talked about my Disney World story, and you, obviously, your parents gave you some discipline the old-fashioned way, correct? 
It wasn't some Radio Flyer situation where... <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I will look into that. You remember that the movie Radio Flyer? No, but I'm assuming that the, the kid was a, was hit pretty hard. He was, a, yes, he was punched about his face and hit with a belt. It was, it was a great movie, actually, if you've never seen Radio Flyer. We're getting uh, some points in the audience here to Radio Tom Flyer. Tom Hanks. So I'll look into that. Fantastic job, I think. It wasn't Haley Joe Osment, but it was one of those like other Like someone kids like that. that. Elijah Wood, I think. Oh, all right, it. yeah. Uh, yeah. Frodo. Uh, or am I mixing that up with Jack the Bear, another movie where it came out? Well, we'll, we'll Google that later on. Radio. I don't I think know. we're going to be There's... talking Radio Flyer tonight. Um, <laughs> caning is an old English punishment, Mark. Popular uh-huh. in the 19th century. The offenders tied to a wooden easel frame. Their pants are pulled down. A soft material is put around their back to protect their spine and their organs. That's nice. See, <laughs> if, I got to stop you right there. Where it's like, <laughs> all right, man. All we're going to do is we're going to hit you on the ass with a giant cane. It was like, all right, I guess I could take that. We're going to have to cover up your spine so no damage happens there. It's like, wait a second now. Who is actually... The cane is like a half-inch thick, four four feet long. That's the, the standard cane in Singapore. Uh, the caner is trained extensively. The, the, we got to talk about the caner. Now, there are reports... When Michael Fay was, you know, about to be caned in, in the American papers, that it was like a martial arts expert. That's not exactly true, but there is a three-month training program to be a caner in Singapore. You know what? Ninety days of training. What What do you learn? What do you learn in the on day eighty-eight that you didn't learn on day two? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was like, all right, see those buttocks? Yeah, that's what you're hitting, man. <laughs> I guess right, we're going to need you to really, all right, you got to twist at the waist, <laughs> and that's how you get the most in. Uh, there's, it's a competitive business, by the way. You, you laugh about it, but... Um, it's a competitive business? It is. It's a competitive business to get that job. So there's actually, we'll play in the, in the recorded episode. Is there a Canaan bar, like a cop bar or something, where there's just all the caners hanging out in there? Like, th- I read oh, some kid stuff. Today. I read some stuff where these caners... Had another gum-chewing kid, and they're just laying... We'll <laughs> <laughs> lay into them. I read uh, there are they do see the people they've caned out in public and they and of course they say that these people are very respectful to them. I would be respectful <laughs> if somebody knew how to tear me up with a cane, <laughs> and they did when I saw them. When out you in saw public, them at the I bar, yeah, super low key with them, like, "Hello, Daryl, how are you? Good to see you, Daryl of Singapore." At Daryl of Singapore, how are the kids? So there's a cold open from from the spring of '94 where Kevin Nealon is the caner for Emilio Estevez. So Emilio Estevez, <laughs> Emilio Estevez is Michael Fay. But that's how big of a news story this was. I mean, it was the cold open on Saturday Night Live, which is, a, that's how you know you've made it. Michael Fay, for the crime of vandalizing cars and buses, the nation of Singapore has sentenced you to six strokes of the cane. The sentence will be carried out now. Hello, Michael. My name's Jeff Gardner. Thank God. Are you from the State Department? No, I'm the caner. (laughs) I'm the one who's going to be caning you. But you're an American. Yep, born and raised. So what are you doing here? Well, I tell you. You know, I always wanted to be a caner, but there's, uh, there's not much call for caners back in the States. So, hey, you got to go where the work is, you know? 
But I'll tell you, Singapore is uh, it's pretty nice, you know? How's your visit been here so far? Oh, okay. Oh, not great. Yeah. You know, you got to give it a chance. It'll grow on you. It's clean, a great climate, and virtually no crime. So I understand. Yeah. You know why there's no crime? Bikini! Yeah. Although, actually, you know, caning is pretty barbaric when you think about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, you know, they don't pay me to think. <laughs> they pay me to cane people. The vague remembrance I have of this oh, is... Have you seen the skit? It's good. No, not, not the skit. Just of the entire thing of Michael Fay was that everybody heard, like, there was just some vague thing about, like, yeah, he vandalized some cars... And now in Singapore, the, they're going to hit him in the ass with a big stick. Correct. And everybody back here was like, <laughs> what a weird punishment. That's hilarious. And then like 60 Minutes or something ran a special <laughs> where they showed a caning. Yeah, they did. And everyone went, oh, God. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little more. So these, the, here's some of the things you learn in training, though. All right, when you're caning someone, often they will count the three. They'll be like, one, two, three. But they won't strike you at three. Sometimes they'll hit you at two. They'll oh, hit you yeah. early. Which like is... when they're giving you a shot at the doctor? Exactly. <laughs> That's how they Except do it with... it's going to happen to him six times. So exactly. by time three, he's like, wait a minute. I don't know if I can trust the count. Or they'll wait. So they'll go one, two, three, and then they'll wait. Because the idea is you'll, the, cane, the guy getting cane will hold his breath. And if you hold your breath and kind of tense up, it, it lessens the pain. So they'll wait till you breathe out. Then they'll cane you. Again, you're learning, this is a 90-day school of caning. I mean, you're learning some stuff here. Could they just teach him, like, I, I think, like, a jazz music, musician could just teach the caner odd time so that you <laughs> never know when it was coming. Like, do, do, it was 7-8 yeah, with the caning. Like, be like, just set it to, like, some old Dave Brubeck quartet or something. Yeah, I like ah, that. Ah. I like that. Uh, now, it's not completely barbaric, okay? There's things you can't cane. You cannot cane a woman. Okay. Can so ladies, congratulations. Sure. You cannot cane anyone over fifty. No caning the elderly. That's fine. And then three is just seems kind of redundant. You can't cane someone who's already has a death sentence. So if they're going to execute somebody, you can't also cane that. You person. can't lay caning on top of that. No. Once you say that they're going to die, that that's it. No, cannot cane those persons. There's a uh, minimum age, right? Though. Uh, I would. I don't know if there's a minimum age. I mean, he was eighteen. <laughs> I think they were caning anybody. Like, juveniles get caned for sure there. I would say maybe 10, 10 to 50. Also, there's a doctor present, so that's good. Sure. Know? That seems good. The doctor, though, is only there to make sure you don't pass out because you can't pass out and then get your canes while you're, well, if you faint. <laughs> they don't want you sleeping on the cane. They don't want you sleeping on the cane. So, so how's the Hippocratic Oath doing <laughs> <laughs> over in Singapore. That shall not do what is it? Do I no more. I shall not do any harm unless you have any gum spray paint available. In which case, we're just gonna yeah, let this they, guy the go. The doctor ham will on give you. you like smelling salts, whatever, and then I think they like paint you with a little bit of like antiseptic at the end. Um, so that's and that's their job. So that that's again, you go to medical school, and that's where you end up. That's probably pretty low on the totem pole, I would think. Uh, caning is outlawed by the International Human Rights Convention. So when you hear about Geneva. Mm -hmm. Geneva has banned caning. Um, so how does Singapore get around that? Well, they never, they never signed the human well, rights. How do we yet. get around waterboarding? <laughs> yeah. and or the, yeah, or the, you know, the Paris Accords. We didn't sign them. So they like, have a yeah, constitution right. in Singapore, a lot like ours, with a Bill of Rights. But they don't have an Eighth Amendment. So there's no, 
you know, restrictions against cruel and unusual punishment. Do so they, they have any amendments? <laughs> they have one amendment that says something about gum very vaguely. <laughs> it does and say then, something about gum. So it gets kind of weird, and this is when I, I remember it, is President Clinton, it's April of 1995, and he is at a news conference <laughs> with another, uh, with another, what do you, uh, I guess uh, another diplomat, and someone sure. asks him, you know, what about this boy Michael Fay in Ohio that's, that's sentenced to be caned, <laughs> and Clinton had done, knows nothing about it, and he says, I will, you know, he's, Clinton was always really earnest, and he'd look the guy right in the eye, and he's like, I don't know anything about that, but I'll find out about it, and so... <laughs> He I goes, have paid good money <laughs> for this very service, but if it, I think my Clinton voice is also a George Bush a, voice. That wasn't a bad Clinton voice. That was a good try. Um, so he said he wasn't aware, and this starts like this media blitz, and that's how we started to hear about it. Um, there's 24 different senators. They sign letters. They send it to Singapore. Clinton comes out a couple days later and holds a press conference and says, and I quote, this punishment is extreme. We hope very much it will be reconsidered. It's certainly a mistake, and it certainly would be grateful if President Bush would join in the protest. I always thought that was weird. So the president weighs in on something so small. Like, this is something now, like, Trump would never weigh in on this. Obama would never weigh in on a kid getting caned in another country. Well, to be It was a simpler time. Trump would weigh in on whatever. They just asked him to weigh in on That's anything true. random. There really at all. is no He'd predicting like, his I'll weigh in on that. I have no expertise. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Talk that, about that, it at length. So Clinton tries to talk to to the Singapore government. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it becomes the world's biggest story. Asia, Australia, Europe. They got um, a president over there, King. They've got up? a president. Yeah, they got a president. Okay. So it's like their second president. Their first president was the really strict guy, and then he quit in like the early '90s because he was old. Um, but he's still important. So he's. And that guy, uh, I had his name written down, Lee Huang Hugh. He makes all <laughs> Lee these... Lee Huang Gumbane Hugh. <laughs> Gum lover Hugh. <laughs> he makes all these statements about how, you know, the, the United States has got all these problems and they shouldn't tell us. He's really outspoken against it. Uh, President Bush is in Singapore. He's giving a speech to uh, Citibank, has a big conference there. And, they, you, know, you know, every president, they just pay them like hundreds of thousands of dollars to speak at corporate events. I've never understood that culture. I mean, Obama's that, getting that money. Hillary Clinton got that money. George every, W. Bush gets paid. Everybody gets that everybody money. gets that. City that bank seems money. like the best. Like, all right, if you can put up with this being president thing <laughs> for four years. for a little while, not only do you get like a quarter million dollar salary for the rest of your life and armed guards, but you can make sweet speaking money. Yeah, you do. Mm. Um, it becomes a full blown crisis. He's there, and Bush even comes out against it, but he won't. He won't make fun of the Singapore government. He just says it's. It shouldn't happen, and it's bad for you. Know, he he totally you know tiptoes it, and, and just he wants to collect that check. You know, yeah. I'm assuming Singapore Citibank is writing it. Um, and as an avid uh, elevator urinator and gum chewer, he's like, mm, <laughs> unless you're an elevator urinator, whole thing. Imagine just peeing in an elevator, then and chewing gum at the same time. <laughs> I mean, you would just that would be rebel. like the cover of a punk album. It there, really would like be somebody would. Just a bright blue mohawk. So Bush comes out against it, and the Singapore's trying to host the World Trade Organization's first meeting, and the United States tries to block that. They're keeping up all this pressure. We play a clip in the show that we'll add uh, you know, the press secretary talking about the situation. Mm-hmm. But really, what can they do other than ask Singapore to not cane this kid, Michael Fay from Kettering, Ohio? Michael Fay's appeal has been denied in Singapore. He's the Ohio teenager who was sentenced to flogging because he vandalized some automobiles. Uh, Does the U.S. have any recourse now? Uh, Well, let me go through first and just say that we regret the appeal court's decision. 
uh, which leaves in place the caning element of Michael Fay's sentence. We continue to believe that caning is an excessive penalty for a youthful, nonviolent offender who pled guilty to irreparable crimes against uh, private property. We continue to hope that the Singapore government uh, will reconsider, reconsider the sentence to cane uh, Michael Fay. Now, we do understand that his lawyer has uh, made an appeal for presidential clemency. Uh, it's our understanding that while Singapore authorities uh, execute, that they will not execute the caning sentence during that period in which uh, they are considering the clemency uh, plea. The United States, what does this have on U.S.-Singaporean relations? Well, we have expressed our concerns to the Singapore government. I think they're aware of some of our concerns. I, I don't want to speculate on how this case might affect our bilateral relations. For this system, there is a, an opportunity for the United States to file a paper in the court's uh, uh, considerations. I, I and do if not, there is, did you do it? I, I do not know of that. I don't know whether there is a formal procedure for that. I do know that, as I say, we have communicated our views uh, on the sentence itself to the, to the government, and they are w well aware of our views. What do you think the American public reaction was to the caning of Michael Fay? For the caning or against the caning? Was it just overwhelmingly for it? It was overwhelmingly for the game. Yeah, I of figured Michael that would The Dayton Daily News, his hometown, it was two to one in Especially favor. Especially in Ohio. They were like, yeah, whip him, man. We don't <laughs> care. Two to one, the Dayton Daily News, in favor of Caney. Nationally, it was more like 55, 60%. Um, but basically, everyone was in favor of the Caney, at least, like I said, a vast majority. Um, Dayton's congressman was trying to drum up support for, for you know, getting them to, to give him clemency. And he said his office was inundated with calls, letters. You know, this two or three feet high, he says in a news report, all supporting the caning of his own constituent. <laughs> so he's working so hard to try and get this kid not caned. And everyone's like, cane the kid. Cane him good. It had sentenced an 18-year-old American to six strokes with a bamboo cane swept round the world. This is the first I've heard of it. I'll look into it. And Michael Fay, who insists he was tortured into confessing that he spray-painted cars, was instantly caught in the middle of a raging debate. Yes, says one, people should be responsible for their actions. Let the vandal take his beating, says another. If anybody just put themselves in this position, I don't think anybody would want their kid or someone close to them to be beaten with a cane. It takes off, like, this whole punishment angle takes off. So... California institutes uh, or tries to institute a bill uh, that would allow up to 10 paddlings of juveniles convicted of vandalism uh, with a wooden paddle. That's California. You see other states in Missouri, New Mexico, New York, Louisiana, Tennessee all have bills, but they don't pass, that are proposed all to reintroduce They keep caning. bringing them up? That I'm saying in 1994, the same time, people were ah, saying, let's, let's bring these books back to America. So... Mississippi actually does get it through the House. Of course, it was Mississippi. Um, but it, does, it fails in the Senate or, or the last governor. Last in education, Mississippi <laughs> got it through. And the last in education, Mississippi, first in caning. And what is it? People in the 90s were pissed off, man. And they were pissed off about crime rates. That was the biggest thing. So, but anyways, let's talk about the crime, the crime rates in the 90s. Okay, because this is what I think people were, the backlash was about. You know, Clinton signs that major crime bill that everybody still gives him crap about. Um, put tens of thousands of more police officers on the streets. Way tougher sentencing guidelines, mandates. Yeah. Um, and that's really in response. Crime had never reached a higher level. Violent crime in America, it peaked in 1991. 
So violent crime is basically half now of what it was in 1991. So you're talking about some of the laws where it's like, look, you can have a bunch of cocaine, but don't you dare get baking soda near it because we'll give you 10 times the sentence for that. <laughs> I, I, there's some, yes. I mean, there's By some, the way, for anybody unaware, <laughs> to make crack, you take cocaine and then you add baking soda to it in a process and then turn it into a rock type situation. And then all of a sudden, it's worth ten more years. And we're going to talk about that's one of the reasons that the crime rate declined is, is the is the end of that crack rock you know era. Uh, yeah. But basically, the murder rate now is half of what it was in '91. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now there's been some spikes in the last couple of years, really because of three cities: Chicago, obviously, uh, Washington, Baltimore have had huge increases in murder. But basically, the murder rate in '91 is half now, and violent crime is about half now as it was in '91. So the question is, why has that crime rate declined? I mean. One reason, like you said, people might have been like, why is this guy telling me how to make crack cocaine? Um, but the, that epidemic from the mid-90s to the, or the early, early 90s and the mid-80s, uh, we don't have that same issue with crack cocaine now, I don't believe. I would have, well, we don't have the violence associated with it. As I'm to understand, one of the deterrents of crack was the people that used crack. It was no seriously. <laughs> That's like, a good point. Yeah, one of the Crackheads one of the few called. drugs where they were like, uh, I don't want to be like. Example of what it was, what happened to you when you used it was helping the deterrent of everybody else <laughs> not telling you where they're like. That makes not sense. Not only do I not want to do this, but my examples of everybody that's done it. Yeah, is is on the street corner. That makes you know, sense. It's not one of those things like, like oh, man, like the early you know, 90s. I have a little bit of reefer with somebody else, and that's where you get like Led Zeppelin from, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. It's never like anybody's done some awesome stuff when they were on crack. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I feel like you only get arrested if you do crack. Yeah, no great comedy albums. It's always <laughs> like da- at their downfall. Crack yeah, sure. Got thrown in there. Mr. Pryor had the, that problem, right? Uh, that higher- was free basin, oh, which sorry. was a cleaned up way to say crack. Uh, <laughs> I think Cat Williams might have done a little bit of crack. I can in see there. Cat Williams doing crack. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Um, another reason the crime rates declined, I think there's higher employment rates. Okay, that that's one of the arguments. I don't really see that one um, because you know we had the Great Recession where. 10% or whatever was, was unemployed, and, and the crime rates didn't really rise there. Well, I think the spread of technology would probably be a lot of the deterrent. You think so? I think that's a very good point. Like Just surveillance, being absolutely. able to catch somebody, DNA. Oh, Remember yeah. when Jurassic Park came out? <laughs> Circa 1994, I, I think believe? I'd say 93, but like yeah. 93 or 4, and then DNA was like a giant, and then they did uh, Dolly the Lamb, and then all of a sudden they started integrating that into all kinds of things. That's why I had you on, man. You've got you've got a good head on your shoulders. And then all of a sudden, Dolly the Lamb. I forgot. Now I can just swab a mouth, send it to Twenty Three and Me, and everybody will tell me my grandpa is not my grandpa. (laughs) 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 Both my parents did it, and it turned out my uh, grandpa wasn't your grandpa. No, it turned out my background was partly white. (laughs) I could see that, and then partly blindingly white. (laughs) <laughs> like somehow more, more white yeah but really and i do not want you to dwell on this but i think there's been a lot of great arguments that you know eight the roe versus wade was 1973 uh <laughs> i'm already seeing the 18 years that's 18 years that after goes. is when the crime rate peaked and then fell off so again uh, things we don't talk about on the show trump abortion would be another thing we don't talk about on the show uh, but there have been some really smart 
you know, scholars that I believe the liberalization of abortion laws also, you know, following that Supreme Court decision helped lower crime rates. I think that's a hard thing to refute. Um, even though it's very uncomfortable for well, people. Well, family planning is probably one of those. Yeah, people, the quality of education that you can get at a certain median income price level. point, yeah. yes, is increased. Everybody's access to uh, empathetic sources of information, videos, um, getting real contextual you know, ideas of what's happening behind things rather than just stuff written in books and that being decentralized. A lot of that goes to increasing general empathy in people. Yeah. Our perception of it is a little bit balanced out by the fact that you now can be fed a stream of whatever's going on at any given period. So sure. the way we look at it is like, oh, these are darker times. It's like, it's not. Yeah, they're it's actually, actually I better I, times. Than a I argue ton these of are ways. great times, but. Um, and the numbers back that up as well. And then not just in the crime rate being half of what it was. But people still, we got to go back to our 1994 brains here. Sure. Um, crime rates high. They want this kid to get caned, and they want him to get him to cane, you know, caned bad. So what I want to do is argue that maybe Faye didn't do it. Um, <laughs> you think that he didn't do it that, at all? Well, I mean, just think about it. That we never talked about that in the 90s. It was more whether he was going to be caned or not, whether President Clinton was going to be able to get over the hump and get Singapore to reduce his sentence. Um, but no one ever talked about the fact that he might not have done it. So no offense to you, but my original plan for the show was to find the real Michael Fay. So again, Michael Fay, if you're out there, email me, ohiovtheworld at gmail.com. We will delete this episode from the internet, and we will let you have your say. <laughs> that could be like the, <laughs> like the BTK guy, like yeah. the real Michael Fay. The real Michael Fay. He's out there. Later. And I, I did track him, and, and I lost him somewhere in the early 2000s in St. Louis, Missouri. I could not find him again. Um, but he's out there. I was about to say, I feel like if you did find him, he would be on this microphone. No, I don't think he does. <laughs> I think he, he wants to live a normal life. Anyways, he's taken from a school. He's questioned for all these days. Singapore interrogators, just so you know, they get super physical. All of, They're known for it. <laughs> they get uh, super physical, like right off hitting the you in the posterior with a giant <laughs> stick physical. <laughs> no, but he like said... Like a you chewed gum with reckless abandon in public. Yeah, that kind physical, of beating. Like you'll have. Um, Faye gets out and he, you know, he says, I only confessed, you know, the guards slapped me in the face. They held me in these freezing rooms. He talks about rooms that they would keep him in for hours at a time that were like 20, 30 degrees. Um, and he's going through this for nine days. Uh, and then he makes these confessions. You know, another one of his guys that got charged with him, a co-conspirator, a Malaysian kid, he had his eardrum ruptured by a slapping from one of the guards during his interrogation. So, he said that the only thing he was guilty of was, yeah, I had the street signs from the former Swedish diplomat. That's all I had. I'll admit to that. And, and there's really no other proof. They go to his house. There's no spray paint. There's nothing to show that he would have been involved with it. Um, you know, they <laughs> round up, like basically, they round up the poorly behaved kids at the Singapore American School, and they bring them all in for questioning, and finally three or four of them confess to it after about a week. Um, <laughs> I feel like the, the damning evidence would have been, all of the graffiti was in Southeast Asian, <laughs> except for this one thing that just said uh, Baba Booey real big on a car. And we think we like Michael Fay for that one. It says go New York Mets or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Bart um, Simpson I'm spray painted really, on the side of a I car. I think there's no proof. He says he only admitted to it because they said they'd give him the plea deal. Again, I don't think his attorney was all that good. <laughs> But they said, you know, a plea deal where, hey, I don't go to jail, I don't get caned, yeah, sure, I spray painted a few cars, I want to go home. 
Uh, his appeal gets denied on May 4th, 1994. Um, and again, we go into that appeal. Wait, this went on for a year? No, it was, it was all 1994, but I think he got arrested in probably February or March. They had pretty quick trials in Singapore, about a week or two. Ah, gotcha. Um, so when you said, I want to take you back to May 5th, 1994. That's the day he was caned, is May 5th, <laughs> okay. 1994. So, so spoiler 4th, alert. May, yeah, May 4th, he, his <laughs> it appeal. didn't just, work out well for him. <laughs> One day later, it yeah. didn't pan out. So President Clinton, they put as much pressure as they could. They vote against this World Trade Organization meeting being in Singapore. They tell him we're going to. You know, we'll see what we can do to we'll stop trading with you, this and that and the other. And what they do on May 4th is they deny his appeal, but the president of Singapore reduces his canings from six to four. That's all President Clinton was able to that get done. A <laughs> That's it. The president, the weight That's a of the American reduction State in caning, though. It is a 33% reduction in caning. Um, but that's it. So you have the president on your side, and you're only able to get two less strokes of the, of the, of the whip. So I never understood why President Clinton got involved in this. It really didn't work out for him at all. It was, he, did, he didn't do four months in jail. I think he ultimately does about two and a half or three months. But on May 5th, he's removed from his cell. He's tied to the thing that we've talked about many times. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's his, tied to the easel or the whatever. Easel, the easel-like wooden structure. To get in the most bizarre Yeah, like, they, they got their hands up here. It's a whole thing. The whole thing. thing. Um, they put the soft padding on his back and spine. So as not to damage his spinal column. Or internal organs. Yeah. And on May 4th, he is, he is caned four times. Faye said there was a, a prison official next to him the whole time, like a cheerleader type person who's like, okay, Michael, three left. Okay, Michael, two three left. Three left. Okay, you can do this. Only one left, which is uh, pretty weird. He said it took all of about one minute. He said his skin was broken and there's some scars. He's treated by that doctor, that trained professional that's on the scene. Um, and he said that he actually shook the hand of his caner after it was done. That's what he said on Larry King. Pretty weird, right? You know what? Awkward. Now that I'm thinking about it, four Thank hits you. with that thing. You know, even as bad as it is, doesn't sound too bad. Four. I mean, anyways, he shakes his hand. And, you know, he's, he's basically released about a month later. He said, he said it was pretty bad. He said the bleeding was like a bloody nose. Like it was just a lot of blood, uh, and then it just stopped. So he said he was sitting down within a few days. He serves another year or month in jail. After President Clinton personally appealed for leniency, Singapore reduced the sentence from six lashes to four. But that wasn't much consolation for Michael Fay. I was bent over halfway. I mean, my back was bent in a 90 degree, and I was cuffed, um, buckled like this, and he's whipping as he's going on, on each step. And can you hear the whip? And, yes, you, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. And on the third third step, he strikes, and he cuts open your buttocks. And there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain. He gets released. He goes back to Dayton, Ohio. What does he do after that? Is the critical <laughs> That's, point. I will give you everything I can tell you about right until I lose him. Let's so, see. Because Billy, I'm seeing the, back. the college I want, I want you to play transcript the of like, all right, I'm going to go in. Anyways, he, he gets kind of like PTSD from it, okay? First of all, he, 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 he does have some issues. He, he burns himself huffing butane a few months later. Uh, apparently, remember huffing? Apparently, that was a thing in the 90s. Um, I don't huffing, know if kids still huff. Huffing but stuff, yes. Huffing butane stuff. is the most low-rent huffing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> it is 90s, though, huffing. Isn't that kind of a 90s thing to do, I feel like? 
Huffing butane has been a decadeless <laughs> thumbs down. Everyone <laughs> has been like, nah. Anyways, he butane's he, been around. He burns a while, himself on the butane. In the 70s, he like, gets yeah. arrested in the late nineties. He has a hit skip in Florida. He does graduate from high school in Kettering, um, and he moves to Florida. He also gets a possession of marijuana charge, and then basically in the late nineties, completely disappears. Can I can I just say this about Florida? <laughs> Florida is. The United States second chance state. <laughs> really? <laughs> that is exactly why Florida exists now. It, he became popular. Okay, there was a Simpsons episode. I don't remember the Simpsons Bart vs. Australia. Yes. The one with the boot. That was <laughs> my that was favorite a favorite line from that's the, a Michael By the way, thing. I'd like to point out. Simpsons themed. He is wearing he's wearing Simpson themes Chuck Taylors. Chuck Taylors. So you know about Bart vs. Australia. That's a Michael <laughs> Fay episode. <laughs> We talk about these on Saturday Night Live. There's also a weird Al Yankovic song. Billy, do we have it? He said we have it. We're going to listen to just the beginning of the song, Headline News. Nice, Billy. Not a fan of Bill, Weird Al Yankovic, but here you go. Once there was this kid who took a trip to Singapore and brought along his spray painting coming. He said that it was from when the warden whacked it so hard. Pretty good. Thanks, Billy. That'll you know that'll do it. It's no, <laughs> it's no plastic Jesus cool hand Luke. Yeah. What is your what's your favorite Weird Al song? I liked uh, I always liked Amish uh, Paradise, the Coolio song. I thought that was a good one. Uh, yeah. It. Uh, I'm fat. Ah, oh, sure. Video wise, that's a great was, one. That uh, is a great one. That was a top notch one. You know, that's headline news. That song's about Michael Fay and uh, Tanya Harding. Um, anyways, Mark, do you think Michael Fay did it? What are your thoughts? Yes or no? Do you think he spray painted? The you know, if if I weigh all all of the evidence and I yeah, I really balance it up uh, left and right, <laughs> and you know, even given. <laughs> Uh, the obfuscation of some of the evidence by counsel, I would have to say that uh, I know that it was hilarious that he got his ass kicked by a giant cane, <laughs> and I hadn't really thought much further into it. He's probably did it. Maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't do it. Who cares? <laughs> it's kind of who cares. Because <laughs> it's not like he, like if he had gotten executed, I'd be like, sure. we should get to the bottom of this. Well, But like if you I'm had the you presence of mind to shake somebody's hand... I don't think they hit him hard enough. Yeah, well, I think you make a good point. But there is, you know, and I look at why the president would get involved in something like this and and made him look bad. But there are cautionary tales, and maybe the reason that they fought this Michael Fay thing is we have no control over our citizens when they get arrested for bogus reasons in other countries. And so one reason I would look at why maybe, you know, it it can be worse. We sit here and laugh about Fay, and I'm laughing with you because I think the story is funny. But you look at another Ohioan like Otto Warmbier, a uh, mm. kid from Cincinnati last year. Now that was, was mad effed up. Yeah, it was. And I don't even care if that dude's real spoiled dude or whatever happened and he well, stole Well, and I think that was whatever, a narrative as like, well. You know, I mean, he was an idiot for being there, but he's Otto Warmbier, just so you don't, don't know, he's a kid from Cincinnati. He's a salutorian of his class at Wyoming High School in Cincinnati, and he goes to the University of Virginia. Uh, great school. He's 22 years old. He goes to China to study for the summer uh, to do a semester in, in China. 
and he takes basically a, a pleasure cruise with some other, mostly English and, and Scottish and, and Irish guys. Basically, you go, they take you to North Korea for four or five days, and you actually party in North Korea. Um, and it was New Year's Eve in North Korea, 2015 into 16. He's at his hotel, he's drunk, and he tries to steal a sign off the wall, a like Kim Jong-un propaganda sign, and he gets arrested for that, and he gets uh, sentenced to 15 years in a North Korean prison. So we laugh about Faye. I think Faye is funny, but it is, it, you know, in North Korea is not Singapore, but it's still, it shows you why the government would fight for their, for their citizens. And, and I want to mention Warren Beer, not just because he's from Ohio, um, not just because he was in an authoritarian, you know, Asian state and got a, a bad a bad deal, but he comes out of that jail, finally released in June of last summer. It's almost a year now, and he's in a coma. He's in a vegetative state. He dies in Cincinnati a week later, um, and something happened in that North Korean jail, and we see these people who were released this week, which is great. We see the president on the tarmac, you know, getting his five minutes, um, but nobody's mentioned warm beer, um, and when they go to Singapore for these uh, for these negotiations, I do want to, you know, do what we can on the show to keep his memory alive as an Ohioan who was mistreated by a foreign government for, again, a, a crime that we are taking North Korea's word that he was guilty for. Um, they said it was botulism that happened, is what, is what sent him into a coma. The doctors in Cincinnati confirmed that that is not what happened, but they can't tell what happened. Um, and again, his parents pulled the plug on him in June, and I would like to see President Trump or somebody mention him in the next month in Singapore because what happened to Otto Warmbier is, is terrible. And it's basically... Michael Fay on steroids, you know. Yeah, it's. What I, I mean, and my wife's half Korean, and when yeah, your the, wife is half Korean, Lydia is half Korean. That's and correct. then when they like showed the like the handshaking of everybody, like uh, Kim Jong Un and uh, you know the South Korean president, the yeah. South Korean president, like that is a really big deal, and it was really cool for like all the people to see the two halves of like Korea come together. But even on that one, I was like. You know what, though, Kim Jong-un, you're still kind of a murdering piece of shit. He is. Like, we can just kind of look over that for a moment, for the momentous reorganization of the entire peninsula. And I'm, I'm rooting for the president. I'm rooting for, for that next month. But I want people to remember not just Michael Fay because it's a fun story, but also Otto Warmbier of Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and, and what happened to him in North Korea. And let's not forget that when we go to the negotiating table. Everybody, that has been episode 15. This is Let's give it up for our boy Mark Lucas. Thank you. We got one more track back there, Billy. We're going to play the reading song. I've got to do the book recommendation. <laughs> from Garfield's tomb to the serpent mound, from the big cities to the river towns, first in flight making history. There's so many books you need to see. I like reading. And I like reading. Tip a canoe and Tyler too From the Queen City to Lake Erie Blue Edison and a man on the moon So many books, which will we choose? I like reading I like reading Alright guys, that'll do it. There's, there are no books about this Michael Fay thing Except that there is one book it is called The Caning of Michael Fay. It's about 100 pages. I found it. It's written by a Singaporean citizen. 
and it is a pretty terrible book, uh, but it is the only book written about Michael Fay. It's very one-sided. It's very pro-Singapore, and I suggest that you do not buy it or read it. Um, so that has been season two of Ohio Be the World. Again, we've got a Twitter, Ohio Be the World, at Ohio Be the World. Uh, we're doing a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun announcements uh, with us in the Ohio History Connection, and we will be back in the fall for season three. Thank you guys to this amazing audience. Oh, my goodness, you guys are just <laughs> smattering of applause. Uh, and thank you to the Columbus Podcast Festival folks uh, for letting us close it out. I know it's late here on Mother's Day, but uh, thank you guys so much for the work you do and spreading all these great shows to, to the people of Central Ohio. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Peter Zablocki, and I'm a historian, author, and college professor. I'm thrilled to invite you to check out Evergreen Network's History Shorts podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, join me on a journey through time, exploring the little-known and hidden gems of history. In each bite-sized episode, I'll dive into my original research to bring you intriguing historical curiosities you've probably never heard of, uncovering the fascinating stories that have shaped our world from forgotten figures to overlooked events. And the best part? I've condensed all this historical goodness into manageable chunks, perfect for your on-the-go lifestyle. Whether you're commuting to work or squeezing in a quick break, History Shorts fits into the little time you probably think you don't have. Subscribe now and never miss an episode of the History Shorts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts.